Hello and welcome to episode 94 of the My Fancy Zamboni podcast. Um, another week, another podcast, and we have a full roster today. Um, we'll go straight into the introductions, so we'll start with Dave. Dave, how are you doing, mate? Not too bad, thank you. Um, how's yourself? I'm all right, mate. I'm all right. Again, nearly the end of another week. Um, yeah, can't complain. Yeah, it's not been a bad week either. I'm sure we'll mention a particular set of results that have uh, more than put a smile on the in particular, mine and yours face, given that we're alumni of said place. Exactly that. Exactly that. Bleed maroon, mate. Always. <laughs> we're also joined again by Mr. Andy Stafford. Andy, how is, how's, it, how's it going? Jeez, I don't normally screw this bit up. Not even a minute. Um, <laughs> uh, tired, hungry, want my bed. Apart from that, I'm not too bad. Thank you. How are you? Good, good. Yeah, I'm all right, mate. I'm all right. It's... Uh, yeah, it's been a it's been a strange week. It's been not, <laughs> nice and busy at work, but uh, yeah, we're here. We move. Um, back from the COVID protocol list without having COVID, uh, we're of course joined by the toothless wonder that is Mr. Gareth Dutton. Gareth, how is one? I'm pretty well, thanks, Joe. I mean, I get to see your beautiful face on the weekend. Exactly. Yeah, very as true. As well as Dave's and Stafford's. Well recovered. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how are you feeling, Joe? How's your I'm... ankle? <laughs> I've not been Just in the conga beforehand. I've not been in the conga lines recently, mate. So yeah, the ankle's uh, the ankle's okay. The ankle's okay. And we're also joined again this week uh, by another beautiful face that that Gref will see on his trip to uh, to Sheffield over the weekend. Uh, it is Mr. Ash Rose. Ash. Oh, um, yes, he will indeed. How are you doing, alright? <laughs> yeah, I'm not bad, mate. I'm not bad. Did good. But yeah, full roster, gents. Five people on the podcast. It's a first for us this week. Yeah. First time, the famous oh. five. Don't know. Don't... Aye. It's very true. Anyway, hockey. Let's get on to um, to the hockey over the last week or so. I'm going to try and not screw the scores up because Greth beefed me on that last week and then didn't even turn up for the podcast. So, um, yeah, we'll see how this goes. On uh, Friday, you, win some, you t- lose them. You do win some, you lose some. Yeah, that's right. I was all right last week. I didn't get any wrong. Um, Friday the 25th, you've got Belfast losing out at home 4-2 to the Nottingham Panthers. Dundee Stars, the 4-1 home victory against the Coventry Blaze. On Saturday, the 26th, Guildford beat the Dundee Stars 7-3 in Guildford. The Storm beat the Flyers 4-1 in Manchester. The Glasgow clan took a 4-2 home defeat against Coventry Blaze. Uh, the Belfast Giants came back from the first loss against Nottingham to win 4-1. Um, Cardiff lost out 6-2 in Cardiff to the Steelers. Uh, Sunday, the 27th, you've got the Steelers beating the Storm 2-1. Sorry, Gref. Um Coventry took a 7-2 home victory against the Dundee Stars, and the Five Flyers took a 3-2 overtime win against the Glasgow clan. Um, Tuesday the 29th, Glasgow lost out 7-1 in Glasgow to the Giants. Uh, the Guildford Flames lost 2-1 at home to the Coventry Blaze. And then last but not least, again, sorry, Gref, Wednesday the 30th, the Manchester Storm took a 3-0 loss at home against the Sheffield Steelers. Uh, straight over to you guys for your highlights. Well, first of all, if I go on, well done, Joe, and not messing that one up. Thank you. I practiced that beforehand. We can tell. Um, I'll Let go. It paid uh, off. Just about. <laughs> um, we'll go uh, Belfast Langham. Um, I'm sure we'll we'll talk about it later on in terms of the overall running, but we all mentioned. Kind of the, go to the question you said, Joe. What would you put your money on? 
and we all said Belfast, but the next week could differ. And that result kind of helped change the mind already, you know. Belfast went 2-0 lead, Conway with both goals, and then Nottingham came back, um, which, I think, if you're honest, I think we're all a bit surprised, uh, truth be told. Bellyaren, uh, Hedberg, Boivin, and Myers with an empty net uh, sealed two points for the Panthers uh, in their race to secure home advantage in the playoff quarterfinals. Um, a little bit of a dint in Belfast's title running. Not much. Still in their own hands. Um, but as much as I know me and Ash called a Nottingham win, probably more hope than thought and logic. Don't think we all expected that result. So good result for Nottingham. Um, and just keeps everything a bit more interesting. Yeah, I'll go with the Guildford-Dundee game. It's a 7-3 win for Guildford. Charlie Coombs getting a goal to start off the game. Ian Waters bringing it back within, was it 10, uh, yeah, 16 seconds. So a nice recovery there. Then Dundee thinking they're going to run away with it. We're getting two goals after that. But then it wasn't, it was Guildford. They got three goals after that. Ian McNulty getting two. Rippling Turner getting one. Levi Cable getting one in the second. And then McNulty finishing off a hat-trick. So then Jordan County getting a goal as well. Definitely does well for Guildford, considering they were in a pretty much like a losing streak going ahead and fighting for the playoff spot. Uh, my game for this week would be the... Uh, sorry, two seconds. My phone's just said to go haywire. Would be the Steelers 6-2 win in Cardiff. Um, I said last week that this that last weekend was going to be quite a decisive weekend for the Steelers in the hopes to catch Belfast. Um, I think I said, realistically, we need at least the minimum of three points and we started that weekend go all guns blazing. Um Started the game off 2-0 up from Talon Armstrong. Cardiff got one badge for the end of the third. Sorry, the first, sorry. And then after that in the second, it was just a bit of an onslaught from the Steelers. And compared to recent weeks, they picked it up. At, like we said, it's the business end of the season now and everyone's turning up. It's playoffs coming around the corner. And yeah, it was a fantastic performance from the Steelers and a much-needed win. Um, Evan Mosey back from injury was great to see and he looked like a man possessed on the ice um, and like I said just all round good performance um, uh, helped rock out a lot in the uh, defending the crease and stuff like that and yeah uh, can't really take too much away from Cardiff still a good team, still a very dangerous team even though they have got a lot of injuries and they had a short bench in comparison but I still think, even with the full roster, I think I don't think there would have been any any different. Mine is the uh, Five Flyers Glasgow Clan game from Sunday, uh, and what it's really sounding like for both Scottish teams. Um, Five Flyers recovered from a conceding a late equaliser to beat Glasgow three two in overtime on Sunday night in Kakodi. With the first period ending goalless, Glasgow's increasing dominance of the second period eventually told with the game's first goal. It was Mitch Jones let a shot fly from the blue line and threw a crowd in front of Shane Owen. The puck crept pretty much through him, uh, with the final touch getting off from Matthew Waugh at 29.01. Uh, however, Fife 
jumped into life having a goal down and were deservedly level on the power play uh, of their own through Brandon McGee with 35 feet around the clock. The visitors took a pair of minor penalties as period two were ticked down and were punished for it 58 seconds into the third. Great Chase's shot caused a scramble in front of Shane Sterrett with Matt Carter putting the puck home to give the Flyers a lead. With Sterrett pulled off for an offensive zone face-off win, Matthew Warsaw's shot slipped through Shane Owen and Strickland to that to tie things up at 58-20. Breland Schmier hit the crossbar with just under three minutes left in the overtime period, but the home side won it in an odd man rush with Greg Chase setting up Jonas Emmerdahl for an excellent finish at the back post to give five the extra point. Yeah, my game is the uh, Manchester Storm-Sheffield uh, Steelers game from Sunday. Um, the Steelers took a 3-0 win on the road. Uh, Tanner Ebele with the first goal at 16-28. Uh, Robert Dowd found the back of the net with Pollack and Mosey uh, getting the assist on that one at 48-24. And then Pollack uh, got an empty net goal assisted by Mosey again at 58-18. So, yeah, a a strong game for the Steelers. We've said that the Steelers need to win every game so far. Um, You know, they've done that since the last time that we recorded. Uh, It looked to be... You know, a closer game than you would have expected it to be. I don't know if Greff, I don't know if you were there. I mean, I, I didn't watch it, um, but I mean, it's just the one the one goal lead was kind of held for a good, a good forty minutes or so, or thirty minutes or so in that in that game. Uh, yeah, Barry Bruss back on the game sheet for the Steelers. He was backing up. Uh, Rock Stanovich got the start uh, and made thirty six saves in the game. The Steelers only actually got off twenty four shots on goal on uh, Josh Bakashua. Um, a shout out to Bakashua, by the way, because the, the game before between the Steelers and the Storm on the, on the Sunday, uh, I thought he had an absolutely outstanding game. Uh, very, very thoroughly deserved the man of the match in that game. Um, but yeah, 20, 24 shots on goal for the Steelers uh, and three goals. So maybe not the best of games in goal. Um, but it sounded like a good game. It sounded like a close game in fairness in terms of, say, the, the one goal lead being held for, for quite a while. Uh, if you're the Sheffield team in that game, knowing that we need to win every game to win the league, or knowing that we realistically need to win every game to win the league. Um, you would have been hoping for a bigger scoreline, and you'd have been hoping for a bigger margin early doors. So I think it's a big reminder. There's two more games between the Steelers and the Storm. Um, it's a big reminder for the Steelers that the Storm are also there to fight because the Storm are trying to get over that playoff line. And that's the thing I think we need to really, really remember in that because it's easy to take, and I, I say this with all due respect, it's easier to take a lower table team for granted at this stage in the season when you look at it and think we've got Manchester another two times and they're in ninth but they're fighting to get over that playoff line and both games that we played against them this week have been close games and they could have gone either way so sounded like a good game uh, as I say a good a good turnout for uh, Rox Stajanovic and uh, the right result for Sheffield if they were uh, looking towards their title contest I'd say in the second period your defence and goalie won you that game because in that period you had four shots on net and I can't remember how many we had, but it was at least uh, at least double that. But your defense was just spot on, and the Rock was the reason the reason why he got given man a match. He was stood on his head. I think two things. I'll, I'll, I'll carry on what you just said there, Griffin terms of Rock. I think he's actually stepping up his play. We saw it in Belfast, the Cardiff game that Ash mentioned. He was outstanding. Um, but again, the reports from last night, outstanding again. He's finding that groove at the right time of year, so that will only benefit Sheffield. Um, but something you said, Joe, in terms of not taking the lower-end teams lightly, I think that could be a benefit to Sheffield because given that Sheffield need to win 
Yes, yeah, so they need to go without losing that end of the season to have a chance of winning the league title. If that mentality is there, constantly that reminder that you could lose and no, you can't take the foot off the gas, that's going to keep them in a groove that theoretically will give them the chance, in their own mental preparation for each game, to win. And obviously, there's no, you know, it's not a given that you're beating Manchester or Nottingham this weekend. But that mentality of we could slip up at any time. They don't, if they think, oh, they're lower than us by a significant amount. And we've seen them this season that they've kind of took the gas, the foot off the gas at certain points. If they don't do that and having that battle against a team that's fighting for their lives, like you mentioned, I think it can actually only benefit Sheffield more than they'll realise. Yeah, it kind of it helps to fight the, uh, the, com, the com, like complacency. You know, you don't go into those games because you've had that reminder and, and maybe having both of those games being so close is a good thing for Sheffield because, like you say, they're going to go out of it now and go, right, you know, we've got the we've got the four points out of the two games against Manchester that we needed, but they made us work for it and we now need to step that up. Um, interesting to see. I mean, I, I've criticised Fox before. I've said that we've not had a plan B. I've said that we've played a similar style of hockey all season. I've got to give him his credit on this one because... Um, Obviously, Ash talked about the, the Cardiff game earlier on. And in fairness, I, I saw quite a few changes in that team and in the style of play that Sheffield were putting out there. Um, Ash, you said that we were protecting Rock, absolutely. And it's not something that we've always done this season, it's, or at least not something that we've done consistently this season. But also, if you look at in the offensive side of things, we were we were taking the eyes away from Karouf. Every time we were looking to get that point shot off, we were looking to get one or two clogging the offensive zone so that he couldn't see the puck um, and then on top of that you've then also got you know Mark Olivier Valorand on the blue line taking the point shots you know whether that's a slap shot whether that's a wrist shot we've been quite critical of the Steelers in terms of their power play uh, and the fact that they get it to the point and don't get as many shots off from the point as they should be doing um, and there were definitely a hell of a lot more point shots on that, that Saturday game against Cardiff because you know you've got Valorand on that point who were taking the eyes away from Karouf and we were getting those shots in from the perimeter to try and get them through. There were a few times where we tried to get a tip in in the front as well. I think Eberle had a great tip in, and it was uh, it was saved by Carruth. But uh, maybe something the Steelers needed to do was just have a quick look and see what they could do to shake up the gameplay in the uh, in the closing weeks. So definitely heats up the, the title race. Um, yeah, it, it certainly makes a, yeah, a touchy end to the season if you're a, a Sheffield or a Belfast fan. Uh, anything else on highlights, gents? I'm seeing shaking heads, so we'll move to the next topic. Uh, the next topic we've got is the Department of Player Safety. We've not had to talk about them for a while. Um, the reason that we're talking about them now is Dundee Stars defenseman Kyle Haas. He was assessed a game misconduct penalty and ejected from the game for being third man into an altercation between Charlie Combs and Belfast Belfast's Blazers, Nathaniel Halbert. Um, yeah, he's now been given a two-game ban for being third man in. The first game of that being for the actual third man in offence, and the, the the second game for that being a repeat offender. What do we make of this one? Personally, I think he's been more than a repeat offender this season. So one game on that part, I'm like, really? It's he's already been suspended. At least three times or more this season. It's like, come on. Maybe, I don't think he's actually been suspended for third man in. I think it's the first time as well. It was stupid play. But then again, we've seen that quite a lot from Kyle Haas. 
reading it wise from what they've actually said on the DOPS itself. After being removed from the altercation by the linesman, Haston takes it upon himself to resist the officials. You resisting the officials there? Didn't, well, I mean, he punched the official for David Brawl, but didn't, surely you resisted, you're pushing him away. That should be the the elite league going, you're not, you're not, you're not showing good sportsmanship there. We've got to protect our officials. There's another game. Because you can guarantee that Omar is going to look at him and go, what are you doing? I've brought you here for a reason to actually, yeah, to be that type of person, the edgy type of person that plays on, plays on the line. But that's just stupid. You're costing us games. You're going to cost us games there. And in the latter end of the season where you're fighting for a playoff spot, I think it's just stupid from Kyle. He should, he can see Charlie can handle himself. He's probably seen it all season. Let them two have it. Have a word with Nathaniel, say, do that again. It's me and you next time. Leave it there. Obviously, he doesn't. He just takes it upon himself. Straight away, just jumps in. It's stupid, I, I think, from. Kyle, but it's not the first time I've said that this season. Probably won't be the last either. I think he's a lucky kid. Um, you mentioned there that in the report that they talk about the resisting the officials. Therefore, there's some. You no, know, he's, he's handled the officials in the mists of an altercation or the end of an altercation, and that's not being penalised. I find that baffling, if we're honest. Even if it's just, you know, he's moving them away or, or stopping them so he can carry on. We've mentioned a few times on this podcast about the protection of referees and officials by the league. To, to mention it in your report, but to then not actually give suspension, I, I, I'm lost on that one. Like you, he's more than a repeat offender. I think he's, he's lucky it's two games. I don't know if it's because it's the end of the season. We'll give him a couple of games so we can finish out the season. I don't know. We, if it's one thing that's not been consistent has been Dops this year, so who knows? But I think Hass is a lucky, lucky lad. Like we mentioned before, the whole time, get up in because everybody gets two. Everyone gets two. Um, oh, this. I don't understand why Haas did this. I mean, look at the video. It didn't seem like there's a whole lot in the original incident uh, from what the replay shows. Uh, just looks like two guys who just wanted to, to go toe-to-toe, but instead of letting him just do it himself, uh, he, he just decides to get involved and take it into his own hands, which is strange for me. No reason to at all. Uh, but anyway... He gets involved and just basically grabs him, shoves him to the ground, and, and then even tries to punch him uh, while being trying to be separated away from the referees. So, <laughs> like like you've all said, he's very lucky he's got only two. But then again, it's not surprising since since it is the magic number for for Dobbs these days. Um, can't think of any valid reason why why he would feel the need to get involved. It's just absolutely stupid, but I suppose, you know, 
maybe two games is worth it for this sort of thing now. Um, for, to, well, to him anyway, I think he's a repeat offender, but it's not being punished enough in my eyes. And um, yeah, but we just seem to have really dropped a ball dops this season. Been far too inconsistent. They've ruled things uh, very pretty much too too lenient, and it's always that same number. So something needs to change next year because this is ridiculous. It's it's only going to keep happening more and more. Yeah, I think when the 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 uh, when he came in and they all went down to uh, to the ground and stuff like that, it, it was just disrespectful when they just carried it on. You don't do someone on the deck. As soon as he's on the he's on the ground, he should, it should be over and done with. But the fact of the matter is, again, like you're saying, he's had an altercation with the referee at some description that there should be an abusive official call around that sort of area because obviously my views on referees and when I play ball or ice and stuff, I always stem from the respect of like what you get at rugby, that the the ref is in control of the game and the ref's job, apart from implying the rules of the game, is also, um, what was the word I'm looking for? Like a code of conduct of looking after the players as well as themselves and everybody else. So it's crap to see and I hate it when the referees get that kind of treatment and that they're, they're there to police the game and make sure the game is played correctly and everyone is safe. Yeah, hockey's a rough game, it always will be, and I don't think this is a reason for it, people to turn around and go, oh, this is why fighting and stuff should be banned in ice hockey. No, it shouldn't, and the hits and stuff like that, but for me, it should have been more than two games, it was just on the basis of, regardless of how much contact he made with the referee, it should have been at least another game or so for an abusive official. See, I didn't know what to make of this. I couldn't make heads or tails of this one at first. For me, this isn't a third man in call. Um, I've watched the video. I've just watched it again. I don't think that Charlie Combs is, is a willing combatant. He, there's no point where he's looking like he's going to drop his gloves. He puts his hands up to defend himself when uh, when Halbert comes in. Also, by the way, not the first time that Halbert's been a, a, an instigator for an incident that's resulted in someone else getting a ban. I think that's the third time this year. Um I don't think he's bothered about going with Halbert in this incident. And you watch the video, there's no, but he doesn't punch him. He doesn't, he puts his hands up to defend himself. That's about it. Halbert comes in over the top. Haas comes in to defend Combs. I've got no issues with that. I have no problem with that at all. I also don't, I, I think they've undermined themselves with the description because they've said it's third man in. They've given him the ban for being third man in. But then he's also said here Haas becomes not only the third man in, but also the aggressor of an altercation. Well, if he's the aggressor of an altercation, he's not the third man in, because the aggressor means that he's the guy starting it. So that isn't a third man in. So I first watched this and I thought it was harsh, because I thought, actually, I don't think I don't think there's been a third man in here, and I actually think that has stepped in to defend Coach. However, I think there's a ban there for, for, for being the aggressor, and the reason for that is primarily, as, Combs, uh, as uh, Halbert's going down to the ice, you can see him drive a punch down, as Halbert's going down to the ice, and, and it's, it would have been so easy, and I don't know if he did, because there were players that got in the way, you can't really see it on the camera angle, but it would have been so easy for him to drive his head into the ice there, and there's no way he'd have been, been able to pull out of that if that was the scenario. Like the, the force that went into that punch was significant. So for me, there's a ban there for being the aggressor, and I don't necessarily disagree with a one-match ban for that. I, I agree one-match ban is quite light for him in terms of his previous history. Um, 
you know, at the end of the day, he's had multiple bans already. So a one-match ban for, for being a repeat offender seems a little bit light, whether or not he's been a repeat offender for this. But again, this is where we see the shift in consistency with Dops. Previously, if you were done for boarding and then you were done the following week for checking from behind, you weren't a repeat offender because it was two different incidents. Now, they seem to have been kind of more lenient in terms of what constitutes a repeat offender. So that's a little bit strange. But at the same time, when you're getting a guy banned multiple times, I mean, that must be his fourth or fifth ban this season, something like that. You know, when you're getting multiple bans like that, I think you've got to start putting out a message. And, and you know, I, I just don't think they've done enough with that. In terms of the officials, we've been critical of the officials before, gents. We, we, we've said that we don't think, we, we think they're trying to too proactively rule out fighting in hockey. We've said that the officials jump in too early. And in this instance, I don't think they did at all. And the main reason for that is because I don't think Combs was a willing combatant. So I think they jump in there to try and protect the players, stop the altercation. Hass then comes in, and like you guys have said, they've addressed the fact that he's, he's, he's tried to resist the officials. <sighs> Ask me this earlier on in the season, and I wouldn't have said it was a ban. But we've now seen multiple incidents where, where players have been given bans for how they've interacted with the officials. And we actually talked about this in terms of maybe it's post-Hogarth incident. So maybe it's the fact that obviously everything happened with Hogarth and they've started to take it more seriously. And I think that went from a, an abuse side in terms of people shouting abuse from the bench. Obviously, we saw Malcolm Cameron get that. But this is no different. This is no different. And if we're going to start raising the bar and we're going to start lowering that threshold in terms of what constitutes abusive official, this has to be the first thing. Those officials step in to protect the player. So the second that he resists... He's instantly putting the, the health and the safety of the player at risk. And that's what I think they've just completely failed to address at all. And like I say, the punch was just horrendous in terms of the, the, the possibilities of it. Because if he just smashed the back of his head on the ice, that's a completely different ball game. So I think they've dropped the ball in a number of things. I think they've, they've firstly, like I say, they've addressed it completely wrong. It's not a third manning incident for me. It's an aggressor incident. They've not given a ban for the abuse of official and they've not given enough for a repeat offender. For me, this is a three or four game ban. And like Andy, like you said perfectly, Dops is magic number. Two games. Which, fine, if you can do that, but you've got to start taking into account the danger and, you know, the implications behind certain incidents. Because if one guy makes a badly timed hit and it results in a boarding call and he gets a two-match ban and another player comes in from halfway down the ice, drives straight through the back of a player crunches his head straight up against the boards and the guy's out for the rest of the season with concussion, you can't judge those by the same. You can't give those both two games. And I'm not saying that's happened, but that just seems to be what Dops are kind of rushing towards at the moment with this blanket two-game ban. I just, I just don't understand it. And David, it's, it's like you've said, it's almost as if they've gone anything more than two and you know we're really starting to affect when he can play we're really starting to affect his team and we're really starting to affect how much he can play for the rest of the season like you said there's not many games left this year so that shouldn't be a factor if he does something in the penultimate game of the season that should be judged exactly the same as if he does it in the opening game of the season and that's the thing where they're really dropping the ball at the moment um they're just they're not addressing it with the with the right severity for me um and all it's going to do is he's going to do it again He's just going to do it again. And that's the problem. A two-game ban for him, when it could have been four. Nah. Just off topic and slightly to the side of it. Do you know what you just said then, that um, the refs are jumping in 
early uh, to stop like these altercations, stop fights? Do you think this is leading to more dangerous hits being on the ice because the problems between players aren't getting resolved from having a fight? I think there's an element to that. I think if you look previously where you compared North American hockey to European hockey in terms of European not much fighting, but a lot of stick work, a lot of dangerous stick work, um, where fighting was okay in terms of it was not allowed. Not, when I say not allowed, but there was not the, the desire to stop it. You didn't have as much. But now because there's a desire more often than not to stop it, I think there could be an element of that. It's a good point there, mate. Right? Hey, just some of that crossed my mind because, like, you look back at like some of the great, like the good fights I've seen while watching Steelers, like Julian Lepin versus Colt King, two heavyweights of the game, and what well, it were a belt of a fight, right? And everyone says, where's as the fighting element come in ice hockey? That's not the actual point of it, getting the puck across the line and winning games is, but I think there is there is an element of it that requires it to have that reasoning for having it and. If they're going to stop players that have got uh, got a problem with each other or something's happened in the game, you've seen it. They have the fight. He loses, he wins, and then they move on and carry on. And you don't see him. And I don't think it's because he's beaten that they don't go near each other again. I think it's just that he's done with it. It's over. Crack on with the game. But now, there's been a the few times where it's been broken up. A couple of shifts later... And he's drove his head through the glass. And he's gone down. And then you see the players go down the tunnel. And it, it it's scary to see sometimes because, obviously, it, yeah, it's dangerous. And, yeah. It's something that we've mentioned a few times, where it's kind of the, the way hockey's going in terms of avoiding head injuries, head sort of potential down the road legal cases that you've seen in other sports. I think there's kind of the desire. I mean, there's sort of a penalty there for fighting, but the desire to avoid fights. I think that's crept in over the last five or so years. But I think, on that reflection, Ash, I think that's something I've not thought of, but it's a very valid point. Won't surprise me in a few years' time if they put a, uh, a game banning straight away for a fight. It, it, by the IHF rulebook, it's a five plus game. It's just those that Alter the rule to give it a five five minute. Okay. He, boys, I, 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 we know what we all. St- I think we all stand in the same boat. We don't want to see fighting out of, out of the sport, and it it isn't about watching two testosterone fueled blokes smacking like, smacking ten, ten bells of crap out of each other. It's not about that. There's a lot more of a tactical element, or there used to be a lot more of a tactical element about it in the game. And there'd be so many games in the past, we were looking 10 years ago, where you'd be down a couple of goals at home. The first thing you'd do is put your heavyweight on to go and fight someone and get some momentum back. It used to be something to change the result of a game. It used to be something to change the direction that a game was going in. We're losing heavily. Let's get the guy out there and get a fight and let's see if we can get the fans back on board. That doesn't happen anymore. And now we see the fights happening because of bad hits, you know, because certain things have happened on the ice. It's now a lot more of an aggression rule thing as opposed to, you know, a staged thing. And I, I hate the fact, I hate saying staged because some of the staged fights were pretty, I don't know, farcical to watch sometimes. But I think that's the problem as well. There's a bigger element of it because when it becomes more aggression-fueled thing, when it becomes something that's happened as a knee-jerk reaction to a bad hit, it's not about two guys trying to change the momentum. 
And it's not always about heavyweights. It's not about two guys that go out on the ice and fight every game and can take a punch. You know, all of a sudden you see the likes of Robert Dow dropping, you know, I don't know, someone from Guildford. You know, we've seen bomb. that happen. Yeah, we've, we've seen it happen multiple times. Neither of them are fighters. Granted, Downey can throw his fists, and we saw that when he beat Tuchinon in, in Nottingham. But it's now about that, and I think that's one of the things that, that may be concerning the powers that be, you know, is that actually maybe we're getting into dangerous territory. We, we've spoken before, boys, about the fact that, you know, you watch, you watch Ice Guardians, you watch The Last Gladiator, you see these guys that made a career in the NHL knowing the only way you could break into the NHL was to fight. But also, you've then seen the, the experts talking about it. You've also seen the experts saying, actually, when you look at what a concussion is, and it's the rattling of the brain against the skull, what drives more potential to cause a concussion is the hits. And I think that's what we're seeing. Which what 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 they should be starting to realise is the fight stopped the bad hits. And I'm not saying there weren't any of them, but it were a damn sight fewer bad hits when you had a big heavyweight on your team that you knew you were going to face up to afterwards if you did it. And I, th- I think that's the thing. I, I think it's a perfectly valid point, mate. And the, the, the officials always jump in far too quickly. And we see, you know, the instigator penalty is given out more and more now. You know, there are so many reasons, there are so many tactics that the league use to try and rule fighting out of the sport nowadays. Um, you know, aside from giving, like you say, a five-plus game for the players actually fighting, all of a sudden, if you were the guy that started the fight, you're going to be looking at an extra ten minutes. If you fight in the last two minutes, you're going to be looking at a five-plus game aggressive penalty and probably a match ban. It's, there are a lot more tools that they're using to try and deter from that happening. But I think they're going to start to realise the more and more they drive it out of the sport that actually it's an important element of the sport. And I don't mean that from someone who just wants to watch two guys fight. I mean that, like, you know, don't get me wrong, it's entertaining, but I'll stand up and, and, and get involved and, and enjoy watching it. But... Well, wouldn't it, again, it was Jonathan Phillips that started the season. He had, someone got it or something along those lines, and Jonathan Phillips ended up dropping the gloves. Yeah. I, I can't remember what it was, if it was him or one of our, another one at players. And literally, I don't think I've ever seen Jonathan Phillips fight in the 10 or 11 years I've been watching. And... You know it's kind of bad when a player of that kind of, let's say, personality on the ice ends up dropping the gloves and going. Yeah, it weren't a fantastic fight, but even still, it were a case of the captain ain't happy with what's just happened to one of his players, and he thought, I'm not having this, we're going. And he went. I think that was against us. <clears throat> against yeah, it was. Ourselves, yeah. I was going to say comments. But if it, it could be wrong. I had Manchester in my head when he said, yeah. "I had Manchester." I can't remember who it was there. It wasn't. It wasn't even like a. I seem to remember the guy who we dropped with. He was. It wasn't Lyndon Springer, but it was. It was somebody that that had, that had dropped the gloves for a fair few times. Because I remember it being like, "Oh, Jonathan Phillips is just actually not taking a beating in a fight against a decent fighter." But I mean, it happened to. We, we saw it also when when Wojtek Pollack first signed for the Steelers. Uh, I think I think it was actually Jonathan that got a bad hit. And Pollack jumped straight in, dropped the gloves. You know, you see it happen, and Balaran as well. Balaran's done it a few times this year. It, that's that's the thing, boys. You know, it's great to see. You want to see your players stick up for each other on the ice. Like, and I don't think any of us are going to disagree with that. You want to see the players stick up for each other. I just don't like the way that the league are trying to do it because when you take the fighting out, that's when the hits are going to get worse and worse and worse. <laughs> We've already seen some bad hits this year, and the first one that comes to my mind was Keaton Ellaby on Sam Duggan. That was a, that was a yeah. dreadful hit, straight to the head. You know, easily could have, easily could have cost him his career. 
you look at a few players that have played in the Elite League recently, you know, Liam Stewart stopped playing because of a concussion. I know he's now playing in the NIHL, but he lost basically lost his Elite League career because of a concussion. Um, you know, Tyson Marsh stopped because of a concussion. Um, Pascal Marenzi, when he played for the Steelers, stopped because of a concussion. You're seeing it more and more. And I just think you take fighting out, you're going to see it even more than that. We have gone off on a bit of a tangent here, gents. So I'll, I I'll don't throw apologize. it out. It just no, 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 it, into my head. Mate, we, we do it all the time. Don't worry about it. It's, it's a good conversation <laughs> it's to have. compared to normal. Yeah. No, it's, it's a good conversation to have. I think it's, it's, it's relevant to what's happening in the sport at the moment. And there are people that fall on the side of not wanting fighting to be a part of the sport anymore. And there are people that fall on the side that they do. And I think it's, it's an interesting discussion to have. But I think the problem for me is the people that fall on the side of not wanting fighting, they don't look at it from the side of what about the lawsuits? You know, they look at it from the side of, oh, my, I take my kids to the game. It's not a good rep. It's not, not, a, not a good thing to show them their role model shouldn't be doing that. It's a load of rubbish. It's a load of rubbish. As I say, if you actually look at the role it plays, when it used to be two heavyweights going and staging the fight at the beginning, you know, that, that, that generated momentum. It's now a deterrent, and it still is a deterrent to an extent, because you know if you're going to make a bad hit, you should be facing someone, you should be answering a bell. So it is still a deterrent to that extent, but then what we're doing at the moment is giving a little bit of free reign to the bigger guys in the league. You know, the Linden Springers, the, like the Kyle Hasses, that can afford to make the big hit, because realistically the guy who's going to come after him is six inches shorter and has only thrown a, like, his fist around twice in his career. I'm so threatened Barry Bross will end up taking somebody out, dropping gloves and going. I really am. I if, know. if Rock carries on on current form, mate, Barry Bross ain't going to see the pipes again this year. I know. What a chance. Uh, I'll throw it over to Andy and Greff because I appreciate it. I, think, I, don't, I don't think you guys have, have, have said as much. I'll throw it over to you guys if you've got anything else to add on that one. You spam. You've said pretty much everything. Although, Dave, you were right. It was Coventry. It was Yanni Lackanen he had a fight with. And a quick look then. <laughs> but yeah, you've said everything pretty much spot on in regards to it. Yeah, I've got to agree. I mean, we've all seen um, Ice Guardians and the impact it's made, you know, the, the whole, you know, injury from where it, it is obviously going to be the, the the dangerous hit that's going to cause more of a, a trauma to the brain than it is a fight. So... I think that sort of answers it and rounds it off quite quite smoothly, really, is that it is still needed because there are still these players that, you know, have a bit of a loose cannon sometimes and, and take things into their own hands, don't make the right decisions. Uh, so with that in mind, yeah, definitely. I mean, you want to protect the, the best player that, that you can. Uh, and I guess that's why they've brought these players in to make sure, you know, that... It doesn't, it doesn't happen to their guys, but what they're finding out is that the elite league isn't, it's, it's, it's not a club, you know, like, like there's, like there's loads of Cal Harses or anything like that. It's, it's just one person on, on one team in the whole league that's really, um, been brought in to protect guys that don't really need protecting. He's, he, and then obviously that's making him do very silly things because he's got not much else to his game. And I, I don't want to see fighting band. It's always been a part of the sport. Um, for a, well, since day one, basically. So it, it, to change the rules of the game would be to change uh, 
the, the roots and, and the, the logic of the sport altogether. It would be completely different without it. Um, I know in, in, in the NHL, they're a lot more lenient in terms of letting guys fight. Um, it's interesting I mentioned that, Joe, because I was watching uh, Colorado Avalanche and I think it was... Uh, I think it was San Jose or someone like that. Uh, they were down a couple of goals quite early. Uh, and of all people, McKinnon just decided to, 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 to drop the gloves of someone uh, just to get that momentum back in him. And it worked. I mean, it's quite three straight goals, something like that. So it, it does still work. And I think it is something that should definitely still happen in, in the league, in the elite league. You know, we've, we've got a, a pretty good fan base um, all around the UK. And it's only going to grow more, you know. You know, if you do have these moments where, you know, there is that element of passion, and I think we have lost that along the way, along the last couple of years, without having that, um, that fighting sort of stuff, really. So I think it is a, a an important part of the sport, something that should stay and should see more often. I'm going to bring this slightly back to the Kyle Hassid incident, in fairness, because you see. I think the relevance is there. If you look at it, um, you know, we, we talk about the fact that the officials jump in more and more to stop the fights uh, because the league have got that want to stop it. And obviously, presumably, that comes off the back of, of, of a concern about lawsuits. But my issue with it is the linos jump in far too early and they jump in in a scenario where actually they're putting themselves at risk. And, you know, whilst you admire that in terms of they're obviously doing it for the safety of the other player. There are also incidents that we've all seen this year where two willing combatants have not ended up fighting because the linesmen have got involved. And my issue with it is, if you then get a player resisting the linesman to fight, it then very much grays it. It very much blurs the line as to what what accounts for an abusive official for resisting. Because actually... There's two willing combatants that want to fight and the officials are putting themselves there. If the officials then get a stray punch, is that the player's fault? If they're putting themselves slap bang in between the two of them? You know, sometimes I think it's warranted. Although, and if, in fact, I think with the Kyle Hassinson, I think it was. Because like I say, for me, Charlie Combs was not a willing combatant. If you watch, he's, he's, he's no intent. He's not punched him. He's put his hands out to defend himself and Halbert comes in over the top. So in that incident, I think, yeah, you know, there was some cause for the, for the officials to jump in. But the opposite side is I just I just think the officials get too involved sometimes. When you can see two guys that want to go, I don't see what the issue is. Uh, anything else on this one, boys? Seeing shaking heads, so we'll, we'll move on from Dops and Kyle Haas. Uh, and we will go to the Steelers. Uh, last episode... We were actually speculating. Uh, we were talking about the seven-year deal that the Steelers had signed with the arena, uh, and we were talking about the fact that they'd said that they, they were going to have an announcement at 6 a.m. the day after we recorded the podcast. Uh, and we'll give Ash some credit on this one. He was absolutely spot on with his prediction. Uh, as at 6 a.m. on the Friday, the Steelers announced that they had signed head coach Aaron Fox and assistant coach Carter Best and Will uh, for another three years in Sheffield. What do we make of this one? The same word that we used last week in terms of the arena deal, it's stability. You now have your coaching team set for, in UK terms recently, an unprecedented amount of time. You don't see three-year deals in many times. Um, but it just has that you know what you're going to have. Whereas some teams this season may go, 
Are we going to keep our coach? Are we going to change his coach? We don't know. Belfast have had it for a few years with Adam Keith. Sheffield will now have it um, with uh, Fox and his assistant. And it just gives them that they can build the team hat that they want. Whereas you see some teams that you go, and I obviously meant to mention Omar Pasha and um, Todd Dutty in terms of long term at the clubs. That they can, you know, if you only like a year at a time, you kind of can't <coughs> plan longer term. This allows Fox, also in his role as general manager as well, to plan longer term, even in the, you know, the poison chalice that is the Steelers head coach. Um, gives him the opportunity in his team to build a team that he feels will be the right image and the right DNA that he feels will represent the badge very well. So I, it, it's stability, I think, is the key word for that one. Yeah, um, my mic on? <laughs> Sorry about that, I, I thought I muted it. <laughs> No, uh, same like Dave said, it's stability for the club. And to be fair, from what from what we had to what we have now, uh, we had a team that struggled to get to the playoffs, uh, had a bit of a bad weekend that entire weekend. And then we've come to this point now where we won a trophy that we've not won for a certain amount of years. We've come close, but fell out the last hurdle. Uh, a fantastic run in the Challenge, not Challenge Cup, the Continental Cup. Please, um, it's not just me. It's not just yeah, me, boys. I always do it. I always do it. And, um, so that's where Joe gets it from. Uh, unfortunately, it came down to one of the last games. Uh, we didn't make it to the next stage. Um, I'm going to say it's this season we've been uh, we've been hammered by injuries, which has caused majority of us poor runs and also a bit of a mixed review on the goaltending side of things, which hasn't helped. But I have absolute faith in Fox. I had faith in Fox when he fetched Barry, and I still kind of do have some form of faith in Barry. But that's just my opinion. Everyone's entitled to one, and people can say what they want. um... Sit on that one, already, Jarby. Yeah, I mean, everyone's going to like somebody and everyone's not going to like somebody. It's their personal preference. Um, well, like a tweet. <laughs> but yeah, um, I have every faith in Fox and what he does and I'm glad to see him that he's going to be here for the next two years and more than likely, I think if they've asked this question at Christmas time or the start of midway through next season, so midway through part of the season, he'll probably turn around and gone, yeah, I'll stay. And he's probably been planning since Christmas who he's keeping for next year, who he's trying to keep for next year, who he plans to fetch in next year. He's probably already window shopping. And I up players that he wants to fetch in and build a team on what he wants to do and where he wants to go with the team. And, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what he does next season and the following seasons. And I hope he stays even longer. Yeah, it's great. Um, definitely been a long time coming since we had that um, you know, coach deal for a number of years and not just one one year so it's, it's nice to have that uh, back for the club uh, Foxy it, it brings a different element to the team uh, I, I think he's probably one of the most relaxed coaches that Sheffield have pretty much had um, he doesn't seem to be showing much emotion bench uh, or, or anything like that but uh, it seems to go pretty well with the players um, admittedly some things he, he, he says um after 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 games, I slightly disagree with, but 
you know, he's, he's, he's still a very good coach at the end of the day. And I think his partnership with Carter, who um, I can't even believe he's only 23 years old, Carter Bestonwell. And apparently they've been together about seven years. So it, it's it's incredible that that, that partnership at sort of, uh, such a young age as well, uh, over seven years. So that's great. And um, I think Carter brings a, a very good element to the club as well, stats-wise. Um, he's got a good knowledge of, of video, and uh, that is a massive thing, especially in the in the NHL. Uh, we do have that ability to, um, you know, use use those tablets and everything like that uh, to determine whether it's offside or anything like that. He has that knowledge and that and that skill, pretty much implemented in his brain what to look out for. So I think that adds, adds a, a very good element the Steelers uh, coaching staff and yeah just just off the ice two very good very good guys really nice guys to uh, to be around and obviously the uh, players respect him and, and, and what he brings to the club and uh, he's, he's had some really great ideas over, over the last couple of years obviously uh, won the Challenge Cup in 2020 um, so yeah he's he's got a lot to prove to, to me um, I think he's definitely going to uh, absolutely strive in the, in the next three years to, uh, to achieve what he possibly can, and yeah, I, I'm sure I'm sure he's got a whole backing of, uh, of of the whole fan base, and uh, just looking looking forward to see what uh, see what I can do next for us. Yeah, uh, for you guys, I think that's a spot on signing. Just looking back. 2018-19, you finished 7th in the league. You weren't really challenging much. Got knocked out in the quarterfinals of the playoffs. And then 2019-20, he comes in. You win the Challenge Cup. You're fighting for the league title. I believe it was like, what, one point when the season got cancelled. And then obviously this season came in. You're fighting for the title again. Yeah, minus that one game, you were doing well in the Challenge Cup. Continental Cup, you did well. It with the number of bodies that you had available to you, especially with the injuries that you got before going there and enduring it. So for you guys, that's going to be <clears throat> it's going to be a spot, a spot on signing, a signing that you you guys will. Probably love to have, especially because he's he'll have so many connections from being a former player and then being obviously the coach now. I mean, he was a, a sports manager or something like that in the KHL as well, so he's going to have a lot of contacts. And you've already seen that this season with the two loan players that he got, and then the players you've signed as well. So it probably it's going to like show that. It's going to be, you're going to want to be getting back on top. You don't want to be finishing seventh ever again. Or, worst case scenario, not even making the playoffs ever again. Almost. So, for you guys, I think that's probably spot on. Yeah, I mean, you look at what Tony said, and Dave, you said about stability straight away. And it's literally the first thing that Tony says in his interview. Um, He said, on Tuesday, we talked about stability with the arena and our contract with them. Today we're talking about on-ice stability with Aaron and Carter in charge. I've been impressed with uh, with them since the day they arrived here. Their work ethic is second to none. Their ability to build competitive and exciting teams is there for us all to see. 
The working relationship between a coach and an owner is vital, and I have found Aaron to be able to communicate extremely well with me and my management team. He understands both the business of ice hockey and the game itself. He knows what we need as a business to move forwards, and we in turn try to help him by providing the tools he needs to be competitive and to win. This is the Sheffield Steelers, and the deal didn't take long with either Aaron or Carter to be concluded. I look forward to a long-term future with them both and wish them well for the remainder of the season. The stability side of this is a huge, huge factor. Um, and let, I mean, we look at we look at teams that are competing even now. We, you know, we're, we're in a title race currently with Belfast. They've had the stability of having Adam Keith for however long they've had Adam Keith at the helm. You know, you look at Cardiff for the last few years. They've been a strong team. Maybe not quite as strong this year, but they have lost a, a big portion of that that core. But obviously, they had Andrew Lord for a few years, and that gave them the stability. And they were a strong team. You know, Nottingham haven't been the same team since Corey Nielsen left. They haven't found that stability. They've ch- chopped and changed coaches pretty much every year since then, and they haven't got the results that they that they were expecting. So it is a huge thing. And um, you know, th- there's teething errors. There's there's little things that I think need to change in terms of of whilst whilst Fox is here. And one of those things is the fact that you know we need, we need to start coming up with a second plan. We need to start changing things up when it's not working. But at the same time, he's building a great team in Sheffield. And like you say, the first year he comes in, we win the Challenge Cup. The second year, not really a year, but for the Elite Series, he builds a great team and we win the group. Granted, then we lose in the final. But, you know, we absolutely killed it in the group. You know, this year we're in a title race. We're currently, if we win the games in hand, I think we'll be on even points with Belfast. So... It's a huge, huge signing for the Steelers. Um, it gives them that stability. And the thing is, he's got a winning mentality. And you can see that. You can see that with every game. And Andy, you're absolutely spot on. You know, my issues are sometimes when, when you watch a, a rough game, you watch things that you think, no, I didn't like that, I didn't like that. And then you go into the, the post-game interview and you hear Fox go, yeah, I liked a lot about our game. And you sit there and think, did you really, though? But at the same time, you know... There's, there's been a hell of a lot more games where we've walked out and gone, we played outstanding, than games where we walked out and went, that was terrible. And that's because of the coaching staff that we've got and the team that he's put together. And that's that's a huge, huge thing. Um, you know, Gref, like you say, you know, previous to Aaron, we obviously had Paul Thompson, Tom Barrasso. We weren't competing in the slightest. We were watching some of the most boring hockey that we've seen in Sheffield. You know, I, I was walking out of games thinking, what on earth have I just been to? We're not seeing that now. And Dave, you and I at the start of the season were saying, this is a championship winning team. This is a team that, you, you, you know, we've not said it for a, a number of years, but this is a team that you watch and go, this team could win the league. You know, we never walked out and said, we're going to win the league. But you walked out going, we're going to be in this race. And I can't remember the last time we said that. So for all his faults, he's clearly doing something right to have us walking out the arena saying that. And um, this is, a, you know, for that reason, it's a huge, huge signing for the Steelers. Um, and again, yeah, Carter, best than Will. Fantastic. Done a huge amount for us. I like all the stuff that we're getting involved with the video side of things. I think he's, uh, he's very much kind of at the helm of that. And he's doing a great job with it. And you do see it sometimes. I think we tried to call a goal review on a, uh, a goal in Cardiff, but we'd left it slightly too long. And I'm presuming that's because we were reviewing the video on the tablets that they've got on the bench. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's a great tandem. Um, you know, I certainly don't have any complaints from what we've seen. Yeah, we've been in a slump. Yeah, we need to change things up. But we're still in the title race at the end of the day, boys. And, uh, you know, you can't ask for much more than that.
Anything else on, uh, on, on the Fox signing? Just a quick stat for you. Go for it. Uh, Fox is on his 99th win uh, overall so far with Sheffield. So one more win would be his 100th. Let's hope that comes against Nottingham. That's not bad for a season and a half. Yeah, that's true. You, you look at that as a stat in terms of, you know, you often see Jonathan Phillips has played his thousandth game in the Elite League. Robert Dowd scored his whatever, 767th goal, I don't know. You know, you see these kind of stats that have been built up over time. 99 wins in. He's not, he's not even had a full season yet. Hasn't actually had a full season. First season was cut short with COVID. Then we had the Elite Series. And now we're, we're hopefully going to see a full season this year. So, is, the, is the apprenticeship scheme with, like, the ice hockey still going? I don't think so. I think the the apprenticeship scheme seemed to go by the wayside a little bit more. We started to bring in more two-way contracts as opposed to apprenticeships. I think it had the this, this similar kind of theory behind it. But obviously, when we signed, like, Kirk and Shooter, they were signed on apprenticeship contracts. Whereas I think now it tends to just be two-way contracts with the NIHL instead. But you've got to bear in mind, there wasn't always the NIHL there. The EPL for a, for a bit, you know, disappeared. And we talked regularly about that, boys, when that happened. We talked regularly about the fact that the gap was too big between the Elite League and the League below. So I, I think now we are in a position where we can use that as a two-way deal as opposed to having a, an apprenticeship. Maybe at the time, we maybe couldn't lean on the NIHL as much because the gap was so severe. I think it was also one of Paul Thompson's um, ideas, weren't it? Yes, yeah, it was, yeah. They looked at it yeah. from a completely different angle, um, not just from the development, but also has been a previous GB head coach in terms of having that drive of diff- of younger players to go through the, the um, systems, as it were. So I think, like Joe said, I mean, I think the first season when it was just everyone in the NIHL, and I think I watched... And I say this is no disrespect to Whitley Warriors, but Steel Dogs v Whitley Warriors, and it was the, it was just like watching Sunday League football, just everyone following the ball, obviously a puck, and it was it was poor. And no disrespect to to Whitley because obviously they are people that they pay to play, they, they give it the best, and that's no slur on them. But the standard was just no, but it's improved. I mean, we've seen a few games, um, Joe, and I think Andy's been to a couple where have been, especially when they've played Leeds, and the standard's been quite decent. So now you have that slow returning base to say, right, let's get the two ways back and forth. It'll only benefit young players. Maybe also it's for time to get the two ways going the other way around. So it's not just the, the youngsters going out, but actually having the, the you know, some of our guys actually being able to drop down. Just to get some regular lifestyle. Yeah. Especially coming back after injury and stuff like that, that's a pretty good idea, to be honest, yeah. Yeah, I know that the Steel Dogs, are, I mean, using the Steel Dogs as an obvious example, because obviously they're, they're just across the road. But you, let's just say, for example, you had an import, just come back from injury. Hmm. Have that two-way, where, you know, we often go, we want you to play these guys for the benefit of us in the long term. And as much as it'll benefit us when they come back, but actually give them the chance to and, you know, give them I wouldn't even say a case of injury when you have to scratch a player who just said you want him, you can have him. But they... So why the conversation? I think I know it's a system that's used a lot freely in North America, but be something that maybe in time to come into the UK 
Especially when it's not going to cost the NHL teams any anything anyway. It's going to be the yeah. say like the Steelers paying the wage. They're just getting getting him ice time. But gents, we we talk about it, the rise in the you know like we're bringing in a lot of random tangent topics, but we talk about the rise in in ability in the NHL. This this one prime player in the elite league that he's absolutely showing the benefit of being able to have a two way system. Because Brandon Whistle is currently beating oh. out, he's currently beating out an import player for a roster slot. If he doesn't get a full full contract next season by Steelers, someone is going to snap him up. And I don't even think, and again, like we said, no disrespect to the lower naming it as the lower league teams. I think someone mid table or higher is going to go for him because since Christmas time, he's been phenomenal. I mean, hasn't his contract changed or upgraded from a two-way to a full-time? I don't know. I'm pretty certain I read somewhere. I thought I saw something like that, yeah. I mean, you look at his game winner against Manchester. Solid, hard-working goal. And that's what you've had from him. And he's also become the type of player, like I said, you know, when you first played for his full-time, you just went, but he's not elitely level. Well, how wrong are we now? Because he's showing it in bucket loads. Hard work, gets in the dirty areas, does everything that you want. And it's, you know, it's to prove that, that time in the NHL, as, as, and now, as it is, has, has improved his game tenfold. He's this year's Josh Waller. Yes. Last year we had Josh Waller playing for the Steelers in the Elite Series, and he, was, he raised his stock tenfold. And he then landed himself a contract full-time playing for Cardiff. And there's no reason why this, you know, this time next year we could be talking about Brandon Whistle playing for Belfast. We could be talking about Brandon Whistle playing for Cardiff, Nottingham, Sheffield, anybody across the league. If if there if there is one team out of the ten in this league that doesn't want Brandon Whistle on their roster, I I can't imagine they're going to be going for a league title because the 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 ability for such a young kid as well, yeah, is outstanding. I mean, you, you say about the game winning goal against Manchester. The goal that he scored against Belfast, and, and granted the pass from Satchel Danielson was outstanding, but the clinical finish. Yeah, clinical. His all-round game is just like I said, it's just improved tenfold, um, and he carries on. And the discussion in a few weeks' time, does he become a wild card for a call-up? Mm-hmm. It'd, be daft with- not, it'd be daft not to be. Especially with Kirk being out. So you've got, from the last year's squad, you've got Kirk and you have Connolly. So he carries on playing the way he is. I'd be very surprised if he's not a wild card to, to go. Because, I mean, we did the discussion a while back as in our first set of squad that we'd have. And I don't think he made that squad, but he the didn't. way he has in, his games bounced on, it'd be a wild card pick for me, I'll tell you now. 100%. I'll track it back to the topic, gents. Have we got anything else to add on? I can't remember what we're talking about now. I think it was Aaron Fox. (laughs) Anything else to add on Fox? Okay, we'll close that tab down. We'll move to the next thing on the, I was going to say roster then, on the agenda. Um, Gents, last week, without Gref, sorry Gref, we talked about our all-star team um, and we talked about goalies. So this week we're going to do the same thing. We're going to talk about defence instead. 
Uh, what we'll do first, before we go any further, is we'll throw it over to Gref so he can give us his, his goalies for the first and second All-Star team. And then we'll go through defence so that we've got a full team across all five of us. So I went with All-Star team for Team 1 was Besco and Matt Caruth. And then second team, it was Rock, especially with the farm he's in, and Jackson Whistle. You very interestingly left out Shane Owen and CJ Bott, which I did not expect. Neither did I. As soon as he said Besco and Caruth, I was like, I was going to say Mott and Owen next. So, uh, no, fair enough. I did write them down, but then I scribbled them out. It yeah, was <laughs> That's very much an ooh cat moment, isn't it? Ooh cat. We need to have an ooh cat noise that we could play like on a soundboard. Meow. Well, I'm definitely getting that as a ringtone. <laughs> no look catching them swans then. It's just a one swan, actually. <laughs> Moving swiftly on. Um, defence, gents. So we're going to go with uh, six... Defenders for each All-Star team. So 12 in total. Uh, obviously, six for the first, six for the second. Who wants to go first? Please, not me. I'll go first. Uh, for you can, you can tell he's done his own work. Yeah, I've been bored all day. First time in his life. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Um, <laughs> for my first team, I have got Dane Todd, Mark Matheson, Josh Batch, Matt Register, Griffin Reinhardt, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. If I'm not, I do apologise. And the hammer from Beverly, David Phillips. Uh, second team, I've got Andre ASD, sorry, because I'm not pronouncing that because I will stutter like I just did. Uh, Sam Jones, Stephen Lee, Mark Louise, Tetlow and Kevin Rain, if I'm pronouncing that right again. I'm loving Mark Louise. By the way. <laughs> uh, yeah. It just plays into the Brenda Nicholson and Diane Todd that we've had already this year on now on Twitter. Well, what can I say? I'm keeping trend. <laughs> keeping some of it. You don't mess yeah. with tradition. Exactly that. I my first team, I have gone Jamal Watson, uh Mitch Jones. Kevin Rain, Dane Todd, Griffin Reinhardt, and Kevin Schultz. And on my second team, I've gone Jake Bolton, Matt Register, Sam Ruop, Jeff Baum, Josh Batch, and win it. Dallas. Don't, don't. No. Minus 25, though. Ignore Ooh. the minus 25. He's scoring goals. Can't ignore the minus 25. <laughs> that's, that's what Dallas says every time he signs a contract with Manchester. Ignore the minus 25. <laughs> ignore the times I blew out hey, behind my Joe, own net. Case been working I'm going to say, Manchester <laughs> needs to sack their equipment manager because he's been, the amount of times he's hit the deck. <laughs> but I, I, I looked around and it's like, I mean, in fairness, that's... Yeah, you could have gone Sam Jones. There's a few you could have gone with. I think his goals gives him a little bit of an, an edge. I didn't like saying it. I'll put it on record. But small tip the cap with Jim. 
Don't make nasty. Move on. Please. Fair enough. <laughs> I, I'll start then. Uh, I've gone with Mark Richardson to start off with. He's a plus 25. Not a minus, he's a plus. All right. It's not like a book. Uh, 25 in the first game, is it? True. <laughs> and I've got Kevin Rain, Dane Todd, Jamal Watson, Matt Register, and Mitch Jones for Team 1. Team 2 is Sam Jones, Cam Knight, Kevin Schultz, Sam Ruop, Brock Bookaboom, just to say that name. Bosh. And... I started with a plus 25, I'm now on a minus 25. Dallas Earhart. Oh. Call me out as well. <laughs> what is happening to this podcast? We could have put Lyndon Springer. Lyndon Springer's not doing too bad in points scored. <clears throat> in fairness, when he gets on, you know it's time to hang up the microphones. Well, it's funny you should say that. <laughs> Ash, you want that permanent spot, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a very difficult one this year. Uh, there's a lot of uh, D that are really surprised and stepped up and uh, done a good job. So placing them on a on the as to which team they'll be is very difficult. Um, first of all, I would have Sam Jones definitely on, on my first George. team. Show us how fresh. <laughs> yeah, he has 14 points in 47 games, but a, a very good 27, plus 27 in, in his plus minus, uh, which for his first full season in Sheffield is great. Uh, still, again, for, for a young kid as well, is fantastic. So he'd be my first pick. My second pick uh, would be Mitch Jones. Since signing for Glasgow, he's done a fantastic job. I mean, he's, he's putting points up left, right and centre. He's got 39 points in 38 games. Uh, he has got a minus three, but again, you know, his, his, his points are, are on point, shall we say. Oh, no pun intended. No, it wasn't at all. Um, next, I'm going to go with Evan Mosey. Uh, I think having him as a D, D is, is, he's been great all year. He's, he's been a shutdown guy. Um, and uh, he's, he's been fantastic playing both ends. So if an all-star team, one, one player forward did get injured, because step up if needed to. But the big factor is that he's got 41 points in 44 games and a big plus 30. Uh, that's, that's a great stat for Mosey. Uh, next, I'm going to go with uh, Dane Todd. I think, even though he's out at the moment, he's done very well again so far. 28 points in 36 games. Uh, been a very good shutdown, shutdown D guy as well. He's only got 10, uh, plus 10 compared to... A lot of others have like plus twenty and stuff like that, but now still very good for uh, for Dane. He's been shut down the all season. Very great from him. Uh, next, I'm going to go with Griffin Reinhardt, and he is he's got twenty eight points in forty eight games, but again another big plus twenty nine. Uh, he's, he's done a great year in Belfast. Uh, first year. And uh, showing why he's been playing in the uh, in the NHL, so great to have, great to watch him. Um, how many is that so far? Is that five? What's count now? You're the one that's given him. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I 
Thanks, I Alvin. honestly don't know. Thanks, Alvin. Um, <laughs> okay, what one? I think I've said five. Okay, so one more. Uh, I'm going to pick... Ooh, I'm going to pick Kevin Rain. He has 22 points in 48 games. And uh, his plus minus is 28. Again, that's a big number. That's fantastic. Uh, and that will complete my first team, my second team. First of all, I'm going to go with... Uh, I've started with a Brit has been mentioned before. I'm going with Mark Richardson. He has... 16 points in 48 games, which is not a lot compared to some of the other guys. But again, again, like Grassland, plus minus is 25. A very good solid shutdown D-man. Uh, so he's my first pick for the second team. My second pick is going to be Jake Bolton from Guildford. Again, uh, not amazing plus minus, but his points make up for that. He's minus seven, but his points are 25 in 46 games. Uh, so my third pick is going to be Matt Register. This was a very, very tough one. Could have been uh, on the first team. But for me, um, you know, it just got edged out for me on that one. Uh, stats gone, there it is. He's, he's got plus four, which is still good. Uh, not quite as good as some of the rest of them. But 38 points in 47 uh, really does earn his place. Uh, in at least one of the all-star teams. So he is my third or fourth pick, whichever one it is. Mine's scrambled. Uh, anyway, so the next one I'm going to go with is Dryden Dow. I believe it is his second season, uh, sorry, third season with Dundee, uh, with playing games in between the, um, the, the sort of COVID um Issued season after playing for Wheeling and HK Spiskat Novaves in Slovakia. He currently has 15 points in 38 games. But again, uh, he's, he's got a plus one. And I think for a team like Dundee, that's very good. Uh, his last season, uh, when he did play with Dundee, 1920. Uh, put more points for sure. But, you know, again, he's, he's a good solid player. And one guy I would love to have on on uh, on. on, on on our day, I think, uh, given that he's in a bit of a, a small pond at the minute, I think, given that he's been on a, he'll be on a bigger team, I think it, it could be even better. Uh, so he's my next one. And I believe, finally, my sixth pick is Josh Tetlow. Uh, could have been on my first star team. Uh, I think he's very promising. Uh, but I do think that uh, not quite as good this season as what he has been previously. He's, he's a minus nine, six points in 47, but he's a really tall lad, uh, still young as well, and I think he's still got a lot more to show. Um, and that's my guys. Thank you very much, Andy. For anybody listening, I should just put on a, a unicorn head. Um, in your window. Not even an innuendo. Um, my team, first team, I've gone with Dane Todd, uh, Griffin Reinhardt, Sam Ruop, uh, Josh Batch, JC Brassard from Nottingham, and uh, Jamal Watson. And then my second team, I've gone with Kevin Rain, Mark Matheson, uh, Jake Bolton, Nathaniel Halbert, uh, Mark Richardson, and Sam Jones. Straight up, I just thought I'd get... <laughs> 
let's go for all straight up. Um, anything else on All Stars for defence, gents? It's missing me and you. Well, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. But we like to give everybody else a chance. It's true. I'm going to take this off now. It's too warm. (laughs) (laughs) This is the first time I've ever seen anybody vape through a unicorn head, by the way. (laughs) First time for everything. We've still got that unicorn bag that, that we get in court. Yes, I have. Good lad. I don't know where the unicorn is though, that's kind of the worrying bit. Oh. Oh. Ooh, cat. Oh. What, what I loved about that whole thing was I don't think Andy realised whilst reading <laughs> out every single player on his team, I don't think he ever realised. And he looked up a few times and just didn't seem to clock. So, uh, yeah. Either that he did or he didn't break character, which is fair play to you, Andy, on that one. That was really good going because um, although you can't see it, Dave and Joe was in absolute stitches and so was Griff at the Ooh, time. Uh... Oh, I saw it, and uh, I, I just kept thinking of other things to try not to put me off, so. Oh, was you now? Yeah. It's like that time when Joe had the penguin mask on. <laughs> Shame I couldn't find the mask that I found in Cardiff at the, one of the All-Stars years, boys. Oh, God. That's a tangent, that. Dude, the fact that, was under, the fact that, was, that was under my bed when I checked in was the worrying <laughs> thing about that. First, like, getting mask were quite a treat last time I tried it. I think Joe had to stop right, it. Right, right. Andy, <laughs> I want you to think really hard about the sentence that you've just said. Don't worry. It, realise it was, the connotation of <laughs> It was a secret Satan gift uh, from uh, the judge. Many thanks again. It's uh, definitely served its purpose. David, you've been thanks. Moving swiftly there. I'm going to mask. Did you wait on your last job interview? <laughs> You're, You're on mute. mute. <laughs> Am I on mute? I thought I would yeah, do, yeah. but I, I was yeah, running late, so I just thought I'd leave it. You're not on mute. <laughs> well, when someone says you're on mute and I've just been talking, you know. <laughs> and thank you, Ash, for giving me something to edit. Ah, you're welcome. Wrong podcast. Um, we're going to move swiftly on now, boys, because we've gone off at a serious tangent, and I'm not quite sure people want to listen to stories about Andy wearing a gimp mask. So, um, Might do. Any, anything else on uh, on All Stars? No. No. Okay, right. Um, next thing I've got written down, gents, is Varsity, because we talked about it last week. Um, we've had the first and second game this week of Hallam versus Uniov, uh, and, of course, the Maroon came out on top in both games. The first game, uh, or the, should I say the second game, um, came out 10-0. Uh, the, the first game, which was last night, um, came out a bit tighter uh, at 4-1 win for Hallam. Uh, Gref, I don't know if you watched this, so I'm not quite sure how much you can chime in, but uh, we, none of the, like, the four of us were there. What do we make of the game, boys? You don't mess with tradition. And tradition states that Hallam wins at hockey. Um, no comment. We'll not mention it. Don't worry. It caused me and Griff to drink more on that fateful night. Um, why but, did you go? Why did you go tribute then? Oh well, yeah. And the peculiar thing is, this, my friends. <laughs> um, you just can't believe it. But he wishes you were there. Just a matter of opinion. 
carry on, Dave. Sorry. No, I'm just waiting for the karaoke to finish. Um, and... <laughs> I don't know. It's not. Uh, Touching hands. Oh, God. Do you want more editing? Fair point, well made. Carry on. Say, <laughs> so, um, how the seconds was a, a one way street. Uh, I felt for the goalie, uh, for Uniov, um, only as a goalie, not because he plays for Uniov, because I never feel so for Uniov players. So I don't apologise for that. Um, he looked nervous as he got into the game and he had no protection, and Hallam just walked over them. Um, he got, I mean, we were talking about it during the day. He made a couple of saves that, you know, he got his confidence back then. It all went Pete Tong. Um, and the scoreline then suggested the lack of protection and it was just a shooting gallery. And then last night, got to say, disappointed when it sold out. A game that traditionally sells out. However, um, doubled in price. To boot. Um, and. I was going to say, I've just completely lost, lost my train of thought there. Um, yeah, 7,000. Guest speaker. Guest speaker, yeah, 7,000. That's a 7,003, 7, I think it were. Um, the atmosphere, that absolutely was outstanding. Um, and just, you know, one way, you know, we're all, we're all thinking, could this be the worst case that's happening, that they, Uni could win a game at the arena? Um, but they didn't. And um, Hallam won 4 1. So, uh, excellent stuff. Yeah, um, my first experience of a first varsity game, I know I've been to see Joe play in the past, uh, but uh, for me it was a completely different different thing that I was used to, let's put it that way. Um, I don't. I think to be fair, Dave. I think it was sold out, but I just think everyone was prioritising the bar with how long it took to get served for your guys. That was a shock of that. <laughs> I think Andy, I've never seen queues on left, right, and centre just literally merging. I mean, and then Andy, you had I'm, people I'm, talking about how cold it was, and you're like, "Well, Chocora, it's ice. No, it's grass." And oh, Andy, how many attempts did it take you to get a pint? Five. But no, um, it was a fantastic atmosphere, um, a very weird atmosphere than what I'm used to, put it that way. <laughs> but no, fully enjoyed it, and I'm hoping to get again next year. Um, I thought the level of hockey, to be fair, for what not for what it was, was really entertaining, to be fair. Um, I think both goalies for Holland that played. And the, uh, but, but the both goalies that played for Hallam did well. Um, I've lost my train of thought now. <laughs> More editing for Joe there. Uh, but yeah. I'm actually making a note of the times that this happening, <laughs> so I can just track. I lost my train of thought there. One fifty-eight oh five. We're at one twenty-two. Well, I'm just always one in the time of the year. The call. I'm not taking off the 35 minutes before it started. <laughs> yeah, fair point. Yeah, it, it was a great atmosphere, despite uh, not selling out. Which, um, again, very 
very strange because past few years I've been sold out. It, it, it's been fantastic. But however, uh, the atmosphere was still brilliant. And, uh, you know, just say this many times, all of us last night, it's just that like we wish that Elite League Games were like that. Um, you know, just incredible the atmosphere. The back and forth between both, both sets of uh, universities is great. But obviously, if we did try to have that in the Elite League, it'd, it'd be all about, oh, someone please think of the children. Or those brigade will come out, so uh, unfortunately, probably won't see that for a long time. Why did you but, sound like the witch off a of Wizard of Oz then? I'll get you my pussy! <laughs> <laughs> I'm having a casting call, you never know. What is going on? <laughs> no idea. Anyway, yeah, just, um, yeah, it was, it was great to see some familiar faces playing. Uh, Jack Dransfield, Joe Colton, Nick Winters. Um, it, was, it was absolutely outstanding in goal when he came in uh, in that third period. Um, yeah, j- just fantastic. And, uh, yeah, I've uh, got to feel slightly sorry for the Uniov goalie, the first goal he started. Um, he, was having, he was having a fantastic game. Uh, they were leading 1-0 until uh, he uh, swapped. He swapped for the other guy. Uh, but he was doing great. And uh, obviously, since the new goal came in, just momentum changed, changed the whole way. And uh, Hallam scoring four and answered. Um, yeah, just certainly set, set the tone, really. Uh, you know, putting a goal, he was like, we was having probably one of the best games he's played. Uh, it did have, have an effect on uh, on momentum. Uh, but good to see the, the right team winning. Um, yeah. Correct. Um, the game itself, I, I think, started quite slow. Um, didn't, didn't really see much of what we saw over the last couple of years. You know, time, times before we've we seen some really, really fast players and uh, a lot of uh, really good passes and, and, some, and some finishes. And, and, and that did eventually come in, in, in the third period. Some nice goals from Hallam, uh, tic tac toe between um, between the slot and, and, and both sides of the ice. So that was fantastic to see. Uh, yeah, great atmosphere. And just looking forward to the next one. Yeah, you're absolutely right. The right team won. Uh, you don't mess with tradition. We might have lost a couple of seconds games now. We ain't, we ain't losing the firsts, and that carried on. Um, the, the sad thing was, um, I, I thought Hallam were by far the better team. And I'm quite baffled it took until about 10 minutes in the third period to get on the board. And then as soon as they got on the board, they just kept going and just kept going. The uni goal, one of the... Sp- Bozziest goals you'll yeah. see. One of the spoziest goals you'll see. But a great game of hockey. Um, I just It was let down by the atmosphere. I, just, I think it's disgusting that people think they can go to games and swear and walk up and down the stairs. Um, no, I'm joking. Um, no, the atmosphere is incredible. Absolutely love uh, going to varsity games. Definitely, definitely going to be uh, trying to get tickets again for the next year. And um, yeah, hopefully we're back to a sellout crowd as well. It's something as a game the first one you should experience as a hockey fan even if you have a heightened sense of sensibility go to it just get lost in the noise I say a friend of mine went it was his first time he went to a varsity game and he's already like I mean me and Joe are veterans at the varsity games playing and watching um, and he's like I can't wait for next year already um, it's, it's like just it's, 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 I mean, you hear certain chants that we'll not repeat on this podcast. Um, that was sung many times last night. You see um, empty bottles, empty cans as you walk into the arena. You just know it's that varsity atmosphere. But there's no trouble, or very little trouble. Everyone ends up back on, in, in town on the night out for the shoot night. So, you know, 
just a great night. On a side note, and this is something that I was going to say before I got sidetracked earlier, is that I was, during like, like I was going out for a vape and stuff like that, I had people that lived from all around Sheffield, like up and down the country, asking me, oh, do you come to ice hockey quite often? I go, oh, yeah. And uh, it says, oh, well, I live such and such. Is there a team close by I could go watch and stuff like that? So, And obviously, you, know, you get people that go to support the university that they go to, but they're also getting into the game as well. And it's like I had a kid from Bristol asking me where near his team were, and I couldn't really figure it out. He says, oh, is there any teams down near London? Where? And I said, well, you've got the likes of Guildford and MK and the leagues that they're in and stuff like that. So it's, it's also affecting in some more fans. Yeah, 100%. 100%. And if people don't walk out of that and want to go and watch more, I'd be surprised. Um, highlight for me had to go to the point that we actually had a watch your language shout out on the uh, <laughs> on the tannoy. Remember, there might be children present at this game. That obviously was not heeded in the slightest, and he I, didn't try it again. I think you heard a, like, a, a low level just across the arena of get, you can put the word in yourself. Um, to response to that it is the game that the family atmosphere is not a dear to but as an atmosphere goes go to it there is even a few from Manchester um, that I saw over there so it, and in fairness it's the highest attended varsity game in the country Nottingham used to have it as the highest one it's that, now it's our Sheffield but in fairness both places sell out get close to selling out so the first time they sold out the arena, it was the highest attended varsity event outside of North America. Yeah. So, outstanding. Absolutely love going to varsity. I'll tell you what, the wine, the wine sales at the arena will have gone through the roof. The amount of <laughs> bottles of wine you were seeing, the weird shaped ones that they're selling now. They were, yeah. The flat they ones. Are, yeah. They, also, they also smartly brought back super points. Yes. Oh, didn't they make a killing on that? Well, I bought three, so I yeah. I don't, think you, my I don't think I've ever been to an ice hockey game where they literally cheered for everything. Like, they, like you get you go to like a game and it's like, oh, people appreciate their good play. They were literally cheering for every little bit, and it was funny to see, and it was really enjoyable. It was strange to see you and you have uh, such a small small bench, but I'm, I'm guessing now uh, it must have 4D. Not on Premier Sports now. You went there, didn't you? Of course. But no, just yeah. It's, varsity week's always a good week anyway, um, and the hockey's for us anyway is the highlight. Uh, and to see the the home side bouncing as ever. Long may it continue. You don't mess with tradition. Too right. Too right. Anything else on varsity, gents? No. So rather be a poly. Rather be a poly. Correct. Uh, it's the long-awaited moment of the podcast now that everybody waits for. Uh, I'm going to throw it over to Mr. Andy Stafford for Stafford Stats. Thank you, Joe. Uh, I've so far been pretty much proactive. I've already got it up, uh, which is great. Um, in first place, we have 76 points. He's Belfast Giants uh, with 48 games. Uh, but, yeah, yeah, no, no. Yeah, I've, I've realised that. Oh, well. Today's winner of Innuendo Bingo is... <laughs> what, you're starting in your limits, then? No, 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 no. That's next time. <laughs> yeah, so in first, Belfast with 48 games as they have 76 points. Uh, closely behind them is Sheffield with a game in hand with 74 points. Uh, in third is Cardiff with 64 points. They have 48 games played. 
47 games played in fourth is Nottingham with 51 points. All four of those teams have qualified for the playoffs so far. In fifth, we have Coventry with 44 points in 46 games. Sixth is Glasgow with 44 in 47. In seventh is Dundee with 43 points in 45. Guildford teetering on the edge of the um, of the non-league playoff zone where Manchester sit. Uh, is 42 points uh, in 47 games. Uh, just shy of that, in ninth is Manchester uh, with 38 points in 48 games. And in 10th uh, is Fife with 33 points. Still quite a few games to go. Um, so it's all to play for, really. You never know. Fife could come, uh, could get a pretty good running going and, and, and the rest lose quite a few games. So I'll have to wait and see what happens. But it's very interesting in both sides of the table. Still very close, which is just how it should be. That's fantastic. Uh, top point scorers, we have JJ Picknich. Uh, he has 71 points. I mean, wow. That's incredible. Uh, he leads the way in scoring. Uh, in second is Scott Conway, going from Belfast with 69 points. In third is Manchester's Adam Brady, who's having a fantastic game. Uh, fantastic season, rather. He has 56 points. Uh, in fourth is David Goodwin with 55 points. Uh, again, the Belfast player in, in that top five. And then Marco Valerand uh, from Sheffield with, with 53 points. In terms of goalies, uh, leading the way is Matt Carruth. He has 93.5 save percentage and uh, goals against average of 2.21. In second is Rock Sternowitz with 92.91. In third uh, is Tyler Bascaroni with 92.83. And close behind him is Jackson Whistle, 92.81. So it's great to see them uh, batting out for that certain uh, one position. Uh, both doing fantastic. And then CJ Mott has 91.71. Thank you, Andy. Thank you. We'll go straight into predictions now, boys. Um, so we'll go with Friday the 1st. Uh, we've got Belfast v Glasgow in Belfast. Uh, Belfast to win 4 2. Belfast to win 5 2. I've also got Belfast to win 5 2. So Belfast 4 2. Oh, I'm backing stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I really want to make a Limp Biscuit reference now. <laughs> it's just one of those days, Ash. What about the he said, she said? Uh, I'm going Belfast 5 1. Uh, Cardiff, Dundee, and Cardiff. Dundee to win 3 2. Dundee to win 5 2. Cardiff to win 4-2. Cardiff 5-2. Cardiff 5-3. Saturday the 2nd, we've got Guildford-Cardiff in Guildford. Cardiff to win 5-3. Guildford to win 4-2. Cardiff to win 4-1. Cardiff 4-1 as well. Cardiff 4-3 in overtime. Uh, Sheffield, Nottingham in Sheffield. Sheffield to win 4-1. I've got same as Dave, 4-1. Sheffield to win 5-4 in overtime. Uh, Sheffield 3-2 in overtime. 
Sheffield 4-2. Uh, Glasgow Dundee in Glasgow. Dundee to win 4-2. Glasgow to win 3-2. Dundee to win 4-3. Glasgow 3-1. Glasgow 3-2 in overtime. Uh, Coventry 5 in Coventry. Coventry to win 4-1. I've gone same as Dave again on that one. (laughs) Coventry to win 5-3. Coventry 4-2. in overtime. Uh, Sunday the 3rd, Nottingham, Coventry in Nottingham. Nottingham 3-1. I've got the same as Dave again. (laughs) (laughs) Are you going to do any of your own work on this one, mate? Ah, I copied off the smart guy. You won last week. Did I? Yeah. Oh, which one? As in, like, you got the most right. Did I? Oh, yeah. You no, you want a lucky dip? I wish. <laughs> if it helps, I've also gone the same as Dave. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? So have I. <laughs> Go on, Not George. even joking, that was in my head. I actually was. <laughs> Nottingham 3-1 across the board there, boys. That's the first time that's ever happened. So if you put a bet on now... Everyone put a couple of quid on Nottingham to win 3-1. Yeah. Um, Belfast-Guildford in Belfast. I've gone 3-2 in overtime to Guildford. Did you just say that first so we couldn't accuse you of a a (laughs) copy? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The look on Andy's face then was a picture. I've gone... Not what I said. Um... Guildford to win 4-2. Belfast to win 6-3. Belfast 6-2. Belfast 5-3. Manchester Sheffield in Manchester. Sheffield to win 5-2. Sheffield to win (laughs) 4-1. Manchester, Manchester to win 2-1. Standard. Yep. Homer. Manchester 4-3 in overtime. Oh, there's always one. Can confirm. Sheff- Sheffield 4-2. Uh, five Dundee in five. Dundee to win 4-3. Regulation. Five to win 4-1. Dundee to win 4-2. 5 to win 3-2. Dundee to win 4-3 in overtime. And then Wednesday the 6th, we've got Guildford v Coventry. In Guildford. Guildford to win 4-3 in overtime. Coventry to win 5-3. Guildford to win 2-1. 
Coventry 5-4 in overtime. Coventry 3-2 in overtime. Uh, Dundee, Nottingham in Dundee. Dundee 4-1. Nottingham 4-1. Nottingham 4-3. Nottingham 4-2. Nottingham 5-2. And last but not least, Sheffield-Manchester in Sheffield. Sheffield to win 6-3 on the teller. Sheffield to win 5-2. Manchester to win 4-3 in overtime. Over. Sheffield 5-3. Says the Steelers fans picking Steelers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we've got a bite. Second time lucky. Uh, Sheffield nice. to win 4-2. Good nibble there, Graf. And then uh, the all-important game of the week, boys. Sheffield Knights versus Hull River Kings. Ash, you go first. 6-2 River Kings. So we're not talking about Ash, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> I may, if you want to cuddle in that game, I'm happy to oblige. Wonderful, Deal. can't wait. I'm signing up to that, by the way, Ash. Just let you know. But They may maybe chip you into the net, but I'm just signing up to that. Signing up to what? You'll find out on Saturday. Um, Fair enough. <laughs> Ash, what was your prediction again? 6-2 River Kings. 8-6 Knights. Four, 4-1 one, Knights. Let's get your heads up, Carl. That's not in net, by the way. That's <laughs> <laughs> then. Shots fired. <laughs> he knows I love him, really. Four three nights. Four three nights in a shootout. Oh, diplomatic. No. <laughs> With a goal from Joe. Not diplomatic. Not Joe Shires. <laughs> nah, it's not, play, it's not playing, mate. Don't get a, don't get a penalty for that a ten-minute misconduct. <laughs> no, that'll, that'll that'll come in a shootout. <laughs> now that brings it into predictions, boys. Um, any other business? Seeing shaking heads. Oh, so, oh, do you know I was coming onto socials at MSZ Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, My Fancy Zamboni Podcast on Facebook, and if you're not in a My Fancy Zamboni discussions group. Um, if you can't get on there, drop one of us a message or drop a message to the page and we'll get you added. Uh, we did have a question on there from Craig, but I forgot to mention that when we were planning before we started recording. And I think it's probably one that we all want to think about before. So we have got on the radar, Craig, but um, we'll address that next week. Um, yeah, gents, that, that that's everything. So um, I'll throw it straight over to Dave. Thank you very much, sir. Thank you, Joe. Thank you, Griff, Andy, Ash. Um, Another fun-filled podcast. Um, not the normal length, but good content. So I uh, hope everyone who listens enjoys. Absolutely, mate. Absolutely. Uh, Andy, thank you very much, sir. Thanks very much, Joe. Thanks, Greg. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Ash, again. Uh, yeah. Uh, I've done pretty well for time, though. Uh, got quite a lot in and uh, a bit of an earlier 
night for us all, which I think is always a plus. And, and yeah, thank you for everyone for listening. Early night is always a plus. Um, Griff, thank you very much, sir. We will see you on Saturday. That you will indeed. Thanks, Joe, staff, Dave, Ash. Thanks to anyone listening. Like we always say, MVPs. Absolutely. Uh, thanks for having me on again, guys. It's been a pleasure. It's been a good laugh. Um, yeah, and I'm looking forward to Saturday. Should be a good game. I like how you didn't even wait for the... Uh, to be I was going to say, you didn't even say we, wait for me to say thank courtesy. you. I'm on, guess, I'm, on, I'm on a guest, so it don't really matter. I don't Is need that commentary. Respect your hosts. Oh, George, you want to put it in and then just flip it back over and then put it back <laughs> in the editing? <laughs> And the innuendo bingo is back. Um, <laughs> now, Ash, thank you very much. Cheers for giving me some editing to do. Um, appreciate that, mate. Enjoy your ringtone. <laughs> I've got a lot to choose from this week. Meow. But no, gents, thank you very much. Um, thank you to everybody listening. Another episode of My Fancy Zamboni. And don't forget, the shop is open. Hey. <laughs>